welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 23 of our Planning Phase Syndicate Universe Extended. Tonight, we're going to be covering Mandalorian Season 3, Episodes 2 and 3, because JJ couldn't make it at some reason last <coughs> time. With that being said, thank you all for joining us. We decided we're going to do a spoiler class. So if you have not seen Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 2 and 3, <coughs> you might want to bug out. Otherwise, we have an amazing conversation coming to you right here and right now. Joining me tonight is my co-host, JJ, of the Planning Phase Syndicate podcast. How are you tonight, sir? Doing excited, man. I'm ready to talk about some Mando, man. Uh, we missed out last week for episode two, but we're going to cover episode two and three tonight. So uh, let's go ahead and jump right in, man. Um, so we start off with episode two, uh, picking up right after uh, where we left off for the end of episode one. Uh, Mando uh, travels all the way out to Mandalore and uh, begins his ascent into the planet there um, after picking up his, uh, his R5 unit from Peli. Um, and begins the exploration for it. And we get the first glimpse of Mandalore after the the whole apocalypse <laughs> event, essentially, uh, from the Empire, basically bombing it down to smithereens. Now, uh, if you've seen Clone Wars, um, you've seen like the early, early Mandal days uh, before the, the the rage of the Clone Wars, where Mandalore was a green planet, you know, it had the city domes that were in there. Um, later on, fast forward to Rebels, it's because of the wars, it's it's basically become a desert. And now with all the fusion bombs that the Empire's dropped since then, this is like a hard crystallized planet because of all the bombs uh, that were dropped on the surface there. Um, so it looks like a really, really desolate place there um, from from what we've seen um, before the start of the or at the beginning of the Clone Wars so, there. So I'm going to stop you real quick. I got a question. You said fusion bombs. That's what they dropped, right? Yeah. When are we getting one of those in X-Wing? And can we get one where um, it's like this big cloud that like has little stilts that sits over top of everything? And if you're underneath this cloud for more than one churn, you get like <laughs> X amount of damage or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see a bomb that uh, replaces a debris cloud into an asteroid <laughs> or, or like, like a new type of obstacle after you bomb it. Like, that would be kind of cool to see. <laughs> I don't know. It just uh, anyway, I sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean to derail you, but now go the on. One thing that was that was conspicuously absent for me was the presence of the of the droids, right? Because we saw in the flashback in uh, I believe Book of Boba when they're talking about the destruction of Mandalore, uh, we had the um, the droids, the K the K two droids that were going around acting as terminators all over the surface of Mandalore. You would think that the Empire would have left a few acting as sentries on on Mandalore, right? Mm -hmm. I would assume so, but I don't. I guess I don't know. <clears throat> Maybe droids take maintenance, <laughs> and nobody wanted right. to be down there. Yeah, true, true. So we get the uh, we get the touchdown. Um, they land right where the uh, the city dome would have been, um, and they proceed forward. And uh, Mando learns that the stories that they used to tell the Mandalorians that the planet was essentially toxic, that they couldn't breathe air, uh, was not true. Um, he's able to actually breathe air freely and able to uh, walk around the area without having to worry about any toxicity in the air. Uh, from from the previous reports that they had, uh, R five goes missing, um, and Jermando encounters these uh, these dwellers uh, that we get to know used to be the original dwellers of Mandalore that used to be kept out in the fields outside of the reaches of these city domes, and uh, they they basically take the the droid hostage, and Mando dispatches them with ease, and he decides to venture deep into. Uh, the underground where we see the remnants of the city, the capital city that used to be there. Um, it was a heck of a, a callback, right? Because if you've seen the Clone Wars, you've seen how vast that city dome was, that capital. You know, we, we get callbacks to the scene of, you know, Obi-Wan walking down the corridor with uh, Satine. Um, and and later on uh, with uh, with Amal uh, when he's taken over Mandalore, you know, walking through that and see the how grandiose that city was, how big and expensive it was, and now it's a ghost town, right? It's just like a ruin uh, from a, a forgotten civilization. Like that's such a stark contrast of like what the Empire has done to that planet. 
Yeah, and I think you know the big contrast there, right? You know, and it's it's man to me, it kind of feels like Mando's, you know, got trying to reach that olive branch out, right? Like it's like, hey, why don't you instead of sulking on your fucking throne, come with me? And I'm so <clears throat> is I I don't know how to say this without spoiling episode three, but there is some foreshadowing here that happens in this episode that you do not realize is actually happening mm-hmm. until season or until episode three. And like as much as like I've kind of like said, hey, Mando has become different, right, than Andor. Like Andor had a lot of that. That was like the crux of how Andor built their episodes. This <laughs> This is Mando bringing lighthearted humor, creating a a more. This is more of the to me. This is more of the original trilogy feel, right? That's how Mando feels to me. It's it's, it's more of that Western, um, space you know romp feel than we got with Andor. Andor is like a super serious fucking drama. Um, yeah. Anyway, but but there's some foreshadowing that's happening here that you don't realize until episode three, and then you're like, holy shit, like. I can't believe that actually happened. Yeah. And it's really good. But that's what it feels like Mando is doing is he's just kind of bringing people. He's trying to bring people together now because he doesn't know what else to do because he lost his purpose. Right. We we saw that in the first <clears throat> episode. There's a loss of purpose and a weird, creepy um, garbage uh, Muppet guy that exists. And we still haven't seen, by the way, JJ, <laughs> we didn't see Muppet garbage guy yeah. in episode two. If you didn't know. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I'm feeling. I have a feeling that he'll make an appearance later on when uh, Mando tries to get reinforcements. Um, so Mando decides to push deeper into the mines, and he comes apart. He comes to an area that looks like basically the remnants of a, of a battle between Mandalorians. There, now uh, the helmet he picks up and he holds in his hand there uh, kind of has like a whitish hue to it, and the best car is pretty messed up, right? For me, it looked like the Super Commando, the Imperial Super Commando Mando helmets um, that we saw at the the last episode or the last season of Rebels, uh, that white Super Commando um, like look that it had to it. Um, but I don't know about you. Like for me, the way that the the armor, the best car was charred and everything, it looks like it was uh, it was hit by Sabine's weapon, right from Rebels. That's what it looked like to me. That to me, that it did do yes. I don't I hate putting words in um Favreau's mouth, but like that's kind of what it felt like. And I don't know if he <laughs> meant that as a nod, right? Like it's a nod back to the original, or if it just happens to be kind of a coincidence that you and I are leaning a little farther into than we should. Yeah, exactly. So um so he picks up the helmet and he ends up falling into the trap of that this crazy metallic um droid that essentially captures mando and brings him back into its lair um and what happens is grogu um was away uh, when mando happened to get captured and he follows the his captor all the way to his area where he encountered this droid um or at least a a uh, organic being that had a droid body um and it, it was doing something weird it, it put in a tube and it looked like it was starting to like suck his blood out of mando right that's what it looked like to you yes it looked like a vampire droid i don't know why but yes <laughs> i didn't understand that piece of it um personally it was weird right because it's like okay so from what we saw the only part that's organic about it is the eye right it's the head yes essentially it's the head I'm, I'm yeah. just going to call it the head, whether it's an eye or whatever it is. It's, it's the head <laughs> of the bee. Um, and uh, and go and Grogu attempts to rescue Mando, um, of course, not able to to help him out. And he tells him, go get Bo-Katan and Grogu uh, makes his way out. And we saw this part in the previews uh, for the, the trailers leading to this part here where uh, Grogu is encountered by one of those those cave dwelling beasts and Grogu uses the force to basically knock it out and goes forward. Now, this is a subtle little little difference here because in the past, whenever Grogu uses the force, especially to that extent, he he gets tired and he ends up falling asleep. And we've now seen a measured growth in Grogu that he's able to use the force to this extent and not fall asleep and right. just continues on. So 
uh, let me stop you there. I heard a rumor from one of my kids that that's because this is set two years in the future. That's the rumor I heard. I don't, it doesn't make any logical sense to me, but that's, that's what I had heard is that that was the rumor. Again, I, I, I don't, I have not had time to do any spoiler reading or any of this other shit or any, any, anything. So I have no idea. This is just what I was. My, my son came over for dinner the other night and we were talking about Mando. And that's when he was like, Hey, I'm pretty sure this is because um, they say it's set two years in the future, it, which that would be wrong. nice to see. That yeah. feels wrong to me, but I mean, I guess it could be, I mean, what the fuck did he do for two years? Like, come on. I don't think it is like, that's why I don't think it is like, what did he do? Yeah. Like, did they just, does he go, Oh, we're going to give you two years. Don't worry. Here you go. Merry Christmas. Also, it's like, to me, it's like, you know, it, um, Mando would have been like, oh, well, I got to go to the Mines of Mandalore and let me go ahead and wait two years and then start yeah. to gather the stuff. Like, yeah, it doesn't exactly. make sense to me either. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we get fast forward. Uh, we get Grogu makes it back to the N1 and indicates to R5 that he points to it and tells him that he needs to go see Bo-Katan and R5 pilots the N1 right back to... Uh, to Castle Kreese in order to get Bo-Katan to help him out. And they leave the end one there at Castle Kreese and they go in the gauntlet uh, to return back to Mandalore so that way they can go and rescue Din. Um, quick side note there, i totally excited to see yet another pilot for the N1, the scum N1, which is going to be R5 <laughs> God, with a crew slot. No, no. Yes, we absolutely have to have it. It goes only straight. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. It's Armada like. You have to set all the maneuvers up. You get three no. maneuver <laughs> dials. You have to set them up three turns in advance. There you go. No, you're not seeing it. So the N1, right, with a crew slot, you can put IG88D as a crew slot there to yeah, get I the know. double calc. Nope. You fight with the aggressor. It's the one that gives you the free evade after you boost. <sighs> there you stop go, that. man. No. no stop. <laughs> Stop, 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 stop. stop. All right. Um, so um, a, a good point in the chat was made about um, Grogu training with Luke. So I guess, I guess, okay, that, that makes a little bit more sense. He trains with Luke, has the ability to not fall asleep all the time. Therefore, we get that. So I, 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 I don't buy the two year, the two year thing, but that's just um, personally. Yeah. So uh, we get the uh, we we get Bo-Katan arriving uh, towards uh, towards Mandalore, and Bo-Katan starts reminiscing over the time that she ruled over uh, ever so briefly over Mandalore, and she talks about how how the planet used to be, and you can see her um, kind of like waking up from her her comatose. I want to say basically, um, you know, she was basically sitting at the castle, you know, soaking. And as she's flying, you could see her, her personality start to change, right? You know, she's not like that, that defeated person. She's like reminiscing and kind of getting into it. And she, she lands the gauntlet over to where they originally got there and leads the, uh, she gets guided by Grogu to go over there. And immediately we start to see that Bo-Katan hasn't lost her touch for combat. Uh, she gets, she immediately identifies those cave dwellers and attacks their nest early um, using all the Mandalorian weapons. You know, we get to see the show of the whip, the double uh, pistol grab, or using her jetpack to basically take out all four of these, uh, these cave dwellers really, really quick. And um, we, we get to see that she's still that fighter that we, we've seen from the previous episodes of Bando, um, as well as the Clone Wars. Uh, she's still a very proficient fighter. Uh, fast forward to uh, finally making contact to where uh, where Mando's being held. And we get, um, we see the uh, Mando's captor basically uh, throwing out all the things that Mando had on him, including his blaster and the Darksaber that's just left on the floor. And uh, Bo-Katan gets the drop on it, and we see probably one of the best action scenes so far for for Mando series. Uh, it is Bo-Katan wielding the Darksaber and uh, just, just battling destroyed here. And you could see the difference in how Mando holds it and wields the Darksaber versus how she does it. 
and it's it's just night and day and she just she's such a good fighter uh using the dark saber and it speaks volumes for her her mind frame right because they make mention uh when den is originally training with the dark saber saying that you know it feels heavy and he's not able to swing it as much and they make uh the comment that your mind has to connect with it you know you have to have that single focus and drive it through the saber and for her to pick it up that fast you know a person who's supposed to be defeated uh, mentally, she's able to pick it up super fast and just wield it like it's a natural extension of her. Yeah, which if you think about it, like, like Mando is very fucking single-minded, dude. Like, I mean, he is. It, and, and so it's weird he can't wield this. I feel that there's, like, a training piece that goes into this, right? Like, man, like from what we know of Mando's backstory, he doesn't have the same training. Like, Bo-Katan grew up in a, we'll call it royal, royalty, right? She grew up with different set of training, different set of rules, different set of lifestyle. Um, he grew up in a cult, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> she had it for a while. Um, that's very true, Desi. Um, but I, I think they're using this as a distinction, right? Like, I think this is foreshadowing the future to me. To me, this is. And it is funny because she picks it up and goes back. Like, it's a lightsaber. Like, oh, my God, here we go. I'm back in, you know whatever I had before and he because he's so clunky it kind of makes you feel like really it makes you feel like he should have just given it to her at that point <coughs> like at that point it's like hey I know you were defeated by it before but for fuck's sake like I mean you killed this piece of shit you know thing that was drinking my blood you know like you killed this person-ish I don't know this wannabe grievous and <coughs> you know I don't know and I don't know where that's from but that whole head moving around is from a video game. I guarantee you it's from some video game <laughs> I played. I know well, it. <clears throat> Jedi Survivor, probably. We'll see it. Yeah. <laughs> Jedi Survivor. No, I hope not. That would whoop, that would be very crazy <laughs> if we saw that uh, in Jedi Survivor. I don't know. I'm, I'm actually happy and sad at the same time. With Jedi Survivor not coming out till next month, I'm happy because I don't have to worry about it because I was worried that it was going to come out this week. <laughs> I'm gone. And like everybody would just throw all these spoilers all over the place. I already have time blocked off the weekend it comes out. Like I have it on pre-order, everything. Like literally it's on pre-order. It's sitting in my PS5 basket. It's literally waiting for, to, for, 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 for it to come in. And I'm just going to, I'm, I'm not going to work for that Friday. And I'm just going <laughs> to play it all day. Because then I, I yeah. can avoid all the spoilers. Um, but now we're uh, deviating and. Yeah. So yeah. So <clears throat> so she's able to to free Din, and they're able to uh, essentially drag him away, and in, in order for them to rest and recover. Now, here's the part that kind of gets me, right? So obviously he's lost at, at least a couple of pints of blood. You know, that's that's not a small amount, and no. he he just requires a five minute rest, and he's like, okay, well, I'm off to go get baptized now. Like, dude, <laughs> you you lost blood. Like, you can't really just walk that off. Like, you you need time and to heal and not to mention eat so that we can you know compose your body from that kind of shock and yet they just walk it off like nothing um but um after that uh you know we have that uh, that little bit of a history lesson uh that uh, that bo katan is uh giving uh din as they're walking over to the mines uh, mainly about how she was a believer at one point in the way and, oh and it's right here like yeah hello, baby. exactly you dumbass <clears throat> Like where the fuck you go down there? It's right here. <laughs> <laughs> My guess is that I think he cannot read the old Mandalorian language. No, probably not, because again, it's not his thing, right? You know, like it's part of his life, but is it really right? Like, like, and this is where we have not gotten a clear look into his past. Like we've seen little snippets. But how much is it? Did he struggle growing up? You know, did he have all these other things going on that detracted from that? We don't we don't know. We don't we don't know those things. Yeah, exactly. So finally, she's uh, walking down that uh, that long hallway um, talking about how her dad was uh, was a great hero for Mandalore and <clears throat> didn't just like stops and turns to her and respectfully says, you know, this is the way. And, you know, just seeing seeing that that admiration that he has for um 
for her history, you know, for her family. I think that was like a, a nice touch for Din to like just recognize that piece, right? Um, and then finally we get to the the living waters, which looks like a very dead place. So it's an oxymoron, basically. And um we see Din basically, you know, begin to strip down his gear and stuff and start walking into the living waters, reciting his vow. And then he falls right in and <laughs> dips. That was the funniest moment to me because it felt like I don't know if you ever seen Deep Blue Sea uh, with like Samuel Jackson where he's in the middle yeah. giving a speech and then the monster comes and grabs him and like he dies. Like I literally thought that was like it kind of reminded me of that kind of moment. Um, and then uh, we see Bo-Katan jump into the living waters after him and it, we see that he's falling quite a long way like. That's a very steep cliff <laughs> from where he fell going all the way down. It's like, you think they would have put like a sign there that says caution, you know, <laughs> to not go past this point. But that's, hold on. That's because I don't think he actually fell. I think when he started to walk in, the mythosaur grabbed him. I don't know. I think it was quite a bit down before they got to the mythosaur. Maybe. It could be. And okay. So I got to stop you here because. <laughs> I got to stop you real quick, and, and I hate, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to deter and like tangent, but if you have read any of the books and all these other things, right, you know on um uh, the planet for Savage and Maul, mm -hmm. right? I can't remember the Daphne, name of that planet. Yeah. There you go, Daphne. Mm -hmm. They have a similar, this is like Star Wars, like lore bullshit, but they have a similar area, right, where they have mm -hmm. a mythical creature inside of these waters that nobody really believes but you do you have to go here to like get yourself right and i can't remember um which book it was but there's a whole a whole thing i think ah, it's 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 the one with asajj ah, it's the one with oh asajj, uh, dark disciple yes and i think they do where that. she they takes go, they go yeah he has to go hunt him down yeah yeah that's yes. right um but it's a similar situation to me. Yeah. Except for a mythosaur has never shown up as a real life thing. Even in Legends, it's kind of like this it's, like, it's like Purgle, you know, like it, it, the Purgle were very elusive type creatures. Um and, and that not a lot of people had seen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um we get the um, we get Bo Katan uh going deep into the waters to try to save uh Din, and as she's bringing him up. Uh, uh, she her helmet and like uh, the lights on her helmet like identify like the skin and then all of a sudden you see this giant eye and it's very clearly the mythosaur and you can I, I, probably some of the like, again it, it just goes to show like the care and the detail um, Bo-Katan basically screaming <laughs> underwater and all you see is a bunch of bubbles come out like ah! um, and then she she brings then up and she's literally just cannot believe what she's just seen you know the the tale of the mythosaur actually being real and she's dumbfounded like to the point that she's just in shock on like after yeah. what just the sequence of events just happened because yeah. what does that mean for her or, or how about not her what does that mean for that religion right jj it mm -hmm. means something correct what does it mean yeah it means that it there's this is the way <laughs> essentially oh i mean that's the that's the the way to i think for her it now validates the 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 the, the whole lore right you know the necessity to wield the dark saber and to fulfill the prophecy that she she was not a believer in and now she she believes in it because she's seen it with her own eyes and um you know having that piece of information you know she's a very smart and clever girl um, I think that she can probably use that information for for her own benefit. Yeah, because the mythosaur, the, the legend is, is that they used to tame them and ride them. That was the yes. idea, right? Like, mm -hmm. that's huge. Because not lots of people, people don't believe that. It's, mm -hmm. not, it's not like a thing people believe. People are like, man, I don't know, maybe, right? Um, yeah. And I don't know. Like, so to me, it's huge and all i can say is like it makes me want to go get that tattoo like right on my arm right here like i feel like i should go get a mythosaur <laughs> tattoo now because now we know they're real so i can get one um i don't know charles would probably be like well you're not a fucking mandalorian 
because you play CIS all the time. But um, Django's a Mando. It, that's true. Yeah, Bo Katan's a Mando and CIS. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. Just put a picture of yourself wearing Mandalorian armor, riding the Mythosaur, and on the tattoo. You, you know what I'm tempted to actually get? What is like a full Mando suit? <laughs> like, like it's a lot. Of, it's, it's a lot of money. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. looked at it, but I was thinking about it. Pretty hardcore. Yeah, man. Like we get taxes, right? Like we get these frivolous. I don't know. My Just wife words, worlds. So, my wife would be so pissed. I can't get it before worlds. Maybe in twenty twenty four. My wife would be so pissed off if I got that. Um, so anyway, we we go back right, and and obviously the episode basically ends with her saving him, and basically they're not even really talking about this. It's a whole thing. And they, they 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 go on to episode three, and you all of a sudden you're just like, holy shit! You're left with the mythosaur is is real, technically not extinct. And if this does not come back up, in the next five episodes, I will stop watching this show. Period. <laughs> just so you know. So you're saying right before the season finale? If I that's fine. If it comes up. In the season finale, I'm good. If it does not, and we got teased with this, I'm done. Fuck them. That's bullshit. <laughs> like, do not tease me about something that's from Legends. Now you're making part of canon and expect me to be okay with you not. Um, like, let's have a conversation about this, you know? And that's know. the end of uh, Planning Face Syndicate's uh, After Hours Mando show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're moving back to bad, bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, episode three, we 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 start off right off where episode two left off. You know, we have Boca Ten just dumbfounded and very cleverly asks Mando if he remembers seeing anything um while under the water and mando just states that he just fell into the water and just doesn't didn't see anything on his way down because it was a long way down um and bo katan just keeps to herself what she sees what she's seen inside of the waters there um a, a part of me wonders like for a hot second like did she do that intentionally because she wasn't sure what she saw or she's trying to just keep that information to herself? I think she is keeping it to herself for the pure fact of not a not jinxing something right. And her having to come to this, you know, understanding of what life is like the armor said, we shall see the songs of the eons or something like that. Right. From the yeah. past foretold, the mythosaur rising up and all of a sudden here's a mythosaur. She, she does not believe this exists here. It is. This is, this is like a, this is a foundational belief of, of hers. That is like, she's not able to grasp. And, and some of that's because they come back, they get in a ship. And as soon as they leave, they get attacked, which how the fuck does anybody know where they're at? Right. Unless one of them is being tracked. But before we even get into that, <coughs> you got to think, she doesn't want to tell Mando because she does not want to feed into his like cultish delusional bullshit that she has countered for, I don't know how long, <laughs> right? Like she told him back in season two, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. This is, this is not true. Like, come on, baby. Like, you know, like I grew up this way. Um, and some of me is actually a little disappointed and some of me really likes it. Right. Like, is like part of me, like I came from like a really religious, um, uh, like grew, growing up that way and I no longer really believe in that type of stuff and like if something like that happened to me it would be like it I could tell you it throws your whole life into chaos it would yeah and I think in her world she's trying to grasp with I grew up one way I didn't believe this stuff <laughs> and all of a sudden here you are like this is something we never gotten but for Christ's sake, you live in a world with force. So I, I I don't know. Like, we don't have that. Like, I've never seen anybody use their mind to move something. And if you can, meet me at Adepticon. There is a thousand dollars cash <laughs> in it for you. Um, if you can actually do. That'd be awesome. 
So, um, so they start heading their way back up after Mando acquires a vial of the living waters as proof of his uh, quote unquote baptism. Although, side note, are you really baptized if you fall into the water accidentally? No. And are you baptized <laughs> if you fucking have your helmet on and your full clothes on? No. You have to wear a special <laughs> robe, damn it. I had to put on a robe when I got baptized. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, man. I want to see a Mando robe. I want to see it fucking green <coughs> and brown with a big-ass symbol on each side. Maybe a couple little horns on your head that you have to wear to look stupid. I don't know. Yeah, you're not. And, and do they have to eventually, when Grogu gets you know, baptized under the creed, does he have to go back down to the same area to go get... Yes! Exactly. Yes. Why are we not making Mando or a Grogu a Mando? Like, what is going on? He's wearing the vest. Why is man? Why are they? Why? I don't know. And maybe it's because you can't fit those ears in 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 a Mando helmet. Is that why? Like, would they have to make a special Mando helmet that has like ears so that the Yodi ears can come out the sides? That'd be dope, actually. Yeah. If so, um, hold on, hold on. Can we put predictions? I'm going to say it doesn't happen this season. But that would be dope if it did. That would be hilarious yeah. if, if Grogu gets a Mando helmet. Yeah, that would be awesome, actually. I would love to see the shape of it, just to see how <laughs> how they protect the ears, man, for real. Um, so we get the we, we see them head back up to the surface, and then immediately they start getting attacked by the Empire, uh, where we see a bunch of uh, a squadron of Thai interceptors now that are uh, starting to attack them. So they jump into the uh, into Bo-Katan's gauntlet and they start taking off and start trying to evade uh, these Thai interceptors. Now, immediately when I see this, I'm like, okay, so they're they're obviously Thai interceptors. They don't have any hyperdrives or anything like that, which means that they have to have a carrier nearby, right? Maybe like a small cruiser. You know, there's only six of them, so that it would make sense. That would be like maybe an Architans or something like that. And they begin their um, they're sent off planet, off world, to try to make it over to Castle Kreez in order for uh, Mando to get his N1, um, trying to evade all these TIE fighters on the same way there. Um, Bo-Katan just being an expert pilot, I don't know how she's only an I-4, um in that swing <laughs> um just evading these tie fighters that are going in there and um we get a really cool scene where they open the drop seat bay and mando just basically par- uh, free falls going towards the n1 starfighter at castle crease uh while they're going in there leaving grogu behind as well as r5 in the uh in the gauntlet while uh bo katan is is evading these shots so um, we see Mando take off and start picking off these TIE fighters, this the squadron of uh, TIE interceptors, rather, uh, from from pursuit on the gauntlet there. And we get, one, like, basically a Top Gun maneuver where bo is like, well, I guess there's one left. I'm going to need to turn my forward arc and take these guys on, head on. And she does this spin maneuver by essentially raising one of the foils, which I didn't know you could do just one. Uh, I thought that when they opened, they both had to open at the same time because that's how we've always seen it. Um, it both in Rebels and Clone Wars, right, with those gauntlets. Um, but she basically just opens one of the one of the uh, the fins for the um, for the gauntlet, forcing it to turn around, and then she takes that front shot into the last tie interceptor. Uh, t- like eliminating that particular squad, which is such a great piece of cinema. But at the same time, I'm like a ship that can obviously going fast enough to keep enough distance from a tie interceptor um, doing a hard stop like that. There's got to be structural damage done to that ship. No, from that no okay. Hold on. I'm going to stop you. <clears throat> You've obviously not been a daredevil. Have you ever driven a stick shift vehicle, JJ? Yes. Okay. Have you ever flown down a road or in a parking lot? Typically, the highest I've ever gone is seventy-five on it. I didn't have much space. All right, well that's that's pretty fast. I'm just saying, have you ever driven with a stick shift and then thrown it into neutral, hit your emergency brake, spun your wheel, and done a turnaround maneuver? If you have not, you have not lived. And if you want to come to Michigan and bring me a stick shift, I'll, (laughs) I'll, I'll, I'll teach you how to do it. Okay. 
there's one thing doing it with a smaller vehicle, right? That's light enough that could do that without much thing. It's another thing trying to do it with a semi truck no. <laughs> and trying to turn that sucker. No, come on. I disagree with you. No, because no, I, I disagree with you because I it didn't come to a stop. It flipped up one of its wings, which I would like a new card for the by the way. For you X-Wing Philophiles uh, uh, or whatever the hell we call you, you lovers of X-Wing, I want to get a new card that says partial swivel wing where you just throw one of your wings up and you cannot do the 180 rotate. You can do a 90 degree rotate and then take maybe a strain or something and do a, a 180 or something like that. But I want to see it because I'm telling you, like I've done that in a car to some extent. And I think it's a great maneuver. Like I don't, I don't see this outside of the norm. I guess I don't see this outside of the norm at all, at all. Like this is to me, whatever, like, yep. They threw one wing. They did a turnaround maneuver. They said, Hey, I got these two things for you right here. Which one do you want, baby? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other highlight of it was Mando racing into the atmosphere and then doing the full the K turn in midair and then doing a proton <laughs> torpedo right down the yeah. center. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That was freaking great. I do not um, want an N one in scum that can do a four or five K and take a target lock. No, no, thank you. <laughs> you do not get. I don't even care if you get too stressed. You can't have that. No. Okay. So X-Wing talk, imagine now Mando with his original ability, because obviously he was converting uh, results into focus results and then uh, spending a focus. Um, can you imagine Mando with an APT turning blanks from an APT into a focus and then spending a focus to like maximize an APT shot? No, I'd hate it. it just, <laughs> yeah. I would I would immediately play scum again. Actually, yes. I play scum already now. So give it to me now. Give it to me. Yes. All right, yeah, and then the yeah. the other part while we're on X-wing is you know in this this sequence here the only time the gauntlet is ever to shoot out the rear is when Mando is in the gunner no. seat shooting out the rear, and then after he left the gauntlet lost its ability to return fire out the rear because she Bogotan um, was piloting and could only use the front guns to shoot. So to me that's that means that going forward for X-wing the any ship that has a, a front and rear arc cannot shoot out the rear unless it has a dedicated gunner in that slot to perform that attack. I think that should then, be. Then you the have to say to the do. same thing about a bow tie, bow tie arc. It's the same, th <clears throat> same thing about Han Solo. When do you ever see Han Solo shooting out the front and the back? Never. Unless they have a gunner. Period. I'm okay with that. I mean, most, most days, you know, you see a uh, ray gunner on there or you'll have, uh, you'll have, uh, Bistan in the gunner slot for for the Falcon. I'm okay yeah. with that. <clears throat> then, if that's the case, right? If that's the case, then you have to either increase the points on the ship to allow for the cost of a gunner. No, I it it just I don't know. I don't think it works. I guess we'd have to go back and watch a fire spray whether it can shoot the front or the back without a gunner or not. Um, yeah, baby, if you it, want it for in, a gauntlet, whatever. I don't give a shit. In Clone Wars, right, you have Jango Fett playing the fire spray and he has baby Boba on the guns. But when you see Boba Fett in a fire spray, is anybody on the guns or does he just shoot out the front and the back Bosk. and just rotate it? It's obviously Bosk. You don't know that. You're so full of shit right now. You, you're seeing brown. My drink looks like what your thoughts are. Yeah, <laughs> this is you right here. <laughs> oh, man. No. So um, stop trying to kill my fire spray. Stop. <laughs> just because just because you're jealous. You don't even need it in your fashion. You have fucking boy. Vader. <laughs> All right. So um, so after that sequence of um, of the uh, of the dog fight there. Uh, we suddenly hear a bunch of explosions going on, and we see a squadron of TIE bombers basically leveling uh, House uh, House Kree's, uh, which was actually a really sad moment because it's like a historical castle, 
and it just gets blown to bits by a couple of proton bombs or fusion bombs, I guess, uh, that they drop on top of her castle, just utterly destroying it. And we get that scene of Bo just staring at it, and they're like, they blew up my castle and the, the actual pain of it. And then we take a look at the at the radar, and there's a massive amount of TIE interceptors now coming to to intercept them. And I'm like, okay, at this point now, now we we're dealing with a much larger Imperial force here. Um, and Bogotan makes that remark that I guess they didn't appreciate her uh, stealing uh, the Imperials like supplies, I guess. Um, do you think there's an established base where all these fighters are, or is this like a fleet that's hanging around there? Uh, I feel it's more of a fleet. I feel that, I don't know. And that's the part that pisses me off because technically we should see like a superstar destroyer or even some sort of a, like a, a Gazi or something like that, you know, like out there. Okay. Not superstar. Destroyer, you're right. ISD. You, you would think one of those would, would be there. Um, and maybe they just don't want to bring it in cause they don't want to deal with that piece of it. But like, to me, that's that something like that would be there. I don't think they're from a base in the area because I think if there was a base in the area, right? Bo would know about this and would just not either be there or go deal with it. Like, I think that's how that would work. Like, she wouldn't just be like, oh, there's an Imperial base I don't care about because nobody knows I'm here. She would never do that. Like, that's dumb. So, to me, they, they came in, they were shipped in, or they flew in, one of the two. I have no idea which. Uh, but to me, it would say that there's some sort of a larger ship that brought them. Like, that's how normally it would work. Um, and see, I will be honest, I'm I'm sad that I don't see that ship, you know, like it maybe and maybe it's this stupid garbage monster guy. Maybe garbage monsters, <laughs> the one bringing these people in. No, he had the crappy R one A's um, in his fleet there. So, like, it's to me, it has to be I think it's a fleet, right? Because and it has to be more than ISD because the the ISD doesn't have that kind of hangar space to have all those type of ships in there um, to deploy at once. It has to be an ISD and another ship that can carry hell, even maybe two star destroyers or a star destroyer and a, and a quasar would be fantastic to see in live action. It can't be um, a, a star destroyer. It can't be a super star. Destroyer. It can't, it can't. They, 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 no, no, I don't I'm not think saying they super. Exist. I'm saying an ISD, just okay. a regular star right, destroyer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I just don't um, think I, they, there's enough of them left and there, I don't think there's enough people left to to to, to do this yeah like yeah. i mean we're talking this is like this is a partial piece and people are scared and if we go back to the resistance show which i know a lot of people don't like but if you go back to the resistance show it took them a while to get fo up and running and yeah. it was not the same uh, uh uh it was not the same structure as empire, the empire. was yeah. at all yeah, definitely, because you see that uh, that the FO or the First Order basically took, you know, enslaved children and basically grew them up or trained them since they were kids in order to be their fighters for them. Yeah, exactly. Either which way, it is pretty amazing that they had all those ships there, right? You know, like, I mean, destroying it. And the best part is, is uh, Mando's like, hey, hey ignore this you will not live ignore this come on let's let's get yeah. out of here <laughs> you know like and this and is trust a, me <laughs> this is a callback to worlds uh if you're if you're jousting a bunch of tie interceptors with a gauntlet uh you need to run <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't joust <laughs> don't joust it doesn't work Dude, don't take a reinforced token they, they will not help you <laughs> They so, were yeah, roll so natties. They, That's what happened. Exactly. Yeah, they were roll natties. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> so then they they jump into hyperspace, and then we cut into the crux of this particular episode, uh, which is called the convert. Um, we get to see the scientist uh, from season two and one, basically the one who's working on Groku, uh, making a speech in the same arena where uh, Palpatine was speaking with uh, with Anakin in episode three. Uh, talking about um, how he's gone through the rehabilitation process for the for the um, the new republic, and how he wants his work to benefit the new republic and stuff, and um, and talks about the 
his work was used for evil purposes and stuff. And you can see the the naivety of this the of this scientist, right? Because he's obviously dedicated to his work and not necessarily the ideals behind it, right? Um, and he still believes that his work could have good benefits for it, except that it was just taking out of it out of its intention, its good intention to work for nefarious purposes for the empire. Um, and of course, he's greeted by you know the elite of of um, of Coruscant um, that's like interested in his work and like just congratulating him. And they basically don't care who's in charge. Like you, you get to see probably the first real look at what the new republic is like post empire, right? Like the elites are there in the Coruscant. They don't basically. Oh no. Yeah, so what you're seeing is you're seeing a whole bunch of um you're seeing a completely different version of what we would have expected with the rebels winning, right? You you're getting something that's not similar. It's not the is it's not what you imagine. And it's like if you if you go back to, you know, like and you look you know, watch episode one, two, and three, if you've read any of the books, you can see how the Republic structured things and how they had all these different pieces for it. Right. And, and, and it's completely different because now it's fractured now. Like, and again, a lot of this, like to me, a lot of there's all these books you should read. And I know that Disney doesn't always like account for these books per se, but there's like an amazing Leia book where basically they out Leia as being Vader's daughter, you know, and if you've never read that book, like it brings so much more home to how the resistance was created that essentially the rebels became the new empire, became the old republic. And they had to fight back again because um, politics and um, all these, yeah. the, these people are just horrible. Like this is why government does fail to some extent. And going back into that you you get to see they have a reconciliation program where they repurpose mm -hmm. you you're repurposed to come back in and you don't get to come back in is what you did you get to be a desk clerk for a science yeah. work right like come on like that guy had talent like i'm not saying we should resurrect the colony program but this guy will make excellent work material <laughs> desk <Yeah>. work material <laughs> Like this guy could do more than just be the, I don't know. He's more than what you think he is. Yeah. And for a hot second, I actually thought that we were going to see a cameo of Mon Mothma, um, a little <laughs> bit older um, from the Andor series. I was actually kind of hoping that we would have actually seen her, but she's probably a Hoslian prime at this point, uh, which is the current capital of the new Republic. Yeah. That would be cool if we see that. Um, so, you know, as they, they progress the story, and, and this is the part where a lot of people are like, oh, my God, like, what is going on? Like, we now get the story about a refugee, uh, essentially. That's what this guy is. He's a refugee. He's coming in. He's been decommissioned. He's been given a new purpose. That's what they're doing with anybody that has value. And this is where the, um, or, you know, the new republic, right? Like, it feels too empire-ish because they're repurposing people um and giving them new jobs right um but 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 again anyway so you got this guy he's he's gotten a new job he doesn't like it he meets up with other fellow officers who are all drinking um maybe we shouldn't be drinking um i guess and you know he like meets up with these people they start talking to him and he meets this one lady that he knows which we i i personally thought she died I didn't know she existed. So, like, I thought mm -hmm. she died. Yeah, um, yeah, me too. When they blew up all the Moth Gideon shit, but she's not. She's not dead. She's alive. She, she's yeah. definitely alive. Now, my question is, right? Um, you know, she obviously she sees him and she has this really weird, like, she basically latches onto him, and you know, from the get go, you get that that feeling that her intentions are nefarious obviously she's not there to help this guy out 
um and she's like taking advantage of the the naivety of this guy um and you know she eventually convinces him that hey you know you can do you can still continue your work we can go into a decommission isd to grab your lab materials and we could just go from there um so you know it, we see through through the the very very poor um like system that the new republic has set up for this guy you know they basically interview him every so often asking him you know do you feel any negative feelings towards your new government <laughs> which is the funniest thing um and uh and, and we get to see that he feels his frustration that his talents are not being put to good use um and that eventually leads him to to agree to go on this expedition outside of the zone to go to this the commission isd to go get the mobile lab instrument so that way he can continue his work um and uh and then he gets caught by the new uh by the guards that are there and we see that she was acting as an agent for um for the new republic and she essentially sets him up to to take the fall uh, for this, um, for for the the operation that they just took part. Um, <clears throat> my thing is like you know, obviously she she intentionally decided to do this. I, I my 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 question is, did she do it because a he had information that could have potentially put the empire or, or the first order? I'm assuming that she's working for the first order or at least set up the first order. Um, or is she trying to protect Muff Gideon and what he was doing? Uh, my theory is, <clears throat> my theory is, is that she's part of the Moff Gideon, and there's like a, they're part of the First Order. So if you go back to again this like Leia book that I read, and like and some of the other um, Squadron type books for the Resistance, there's a movement starting the First Order, and this movement that starts with the First Order is essentially going forth and creating like a somewhat nefarious ability. Like Sloan did that, right? Like Sloan, and I'm actually surprised we haven't seen Sloan yet, but Sloan did that um, when we got, what's his name? God, I can't remember his stupid name. Um, uh, Mr. Bones's handler, uh, Wexley, what is his name? Temin, Temin, there you go. Temin, Temin Wexley. Yeah. yeah. When we get Mr. Bones, if we get a Mr. Bones appearance, by the way, um, we're gonna spend a whole episode talking about Mr. Bones because that's my favorite <laughs> fucking Star Wars character ever. Like, just so you know, heads down, that's my favorite character other than Thrawn. I like Thrawn, but <laughs> anyway, um, so we know there's all these other things that that can go into it, and Sloan shows up in other ways, like. To me, she's part of this newfound underground resistance. Like my theory is, is Pelp had a backup plan. He had a plan B that says, "Hey, you're going to resurrect me, and here's how you're going to create your whole um, divergence, right? And you, and you're going to set up your whole empire before resurrecting." So my theory is, is that like as soon as the empire started to go down, and Pelp knew because Pelp had. Um, I don't remember what they call it in the universe, but Pelp had that ability to foresee things like that was what mm -hmm. made him super fucking powerful. Um, he's foreseeing that there's a possibility he's going to die, blah, blah, blah. He's going to come back. Um, that's why he was a a obsessed with cloning and bringing himself back. Um, but there's this backup plan that's already been in place. And Moth Gideon was just a pawn in this whole plan. Like, so long story short, Yes, I think she's helping Moth Gideon and that sect, but I think it's much bigger than him. Like, I think he, again, is just this pawn in the scheme of things, long scheme of things. Okay. Yeah, I'm interested to see what they do. I mean, um, the that that part of the of the lore like it kind of intrigues me right because we we don't really know yet other than just a quick bit from poe in episode nine on how palpatine returns and i think we're starting to see like the the pieces that are leading to how palpatine ended up coming back um as the big bad for episode nine Hopefully, in retrospect, maybe that makes that movie a little bit better. I'm I'm hoping so, but <laughs> I'm uh, I'm just hoping that well, at least we get that that answer there. 
uh, for it. And we end that piece with um, with basically the scientist getting his mind uh, fried um, as she increases the intensity to five and um, and just basically leaves this guy as a vegetable with his, his mind white, essentially. Um, and then we get back to uh, the jump out of heist perspective for Bando and Bo-Katan arriving uh, over to where the Mandalorian coven was. Um, and of course, the first person he sees is uh, Paz Vizsla, uh, basically challenging Mando. He's like, "Hey, get out of here, you!" <laughs> He's like, "You're, uh, you're, you've, um, you, you're, you're an unbeliever now because you take out your helmet." And they have this whole challenge thing uh, for. Uh, whether or not he's actually bathed. And I actually found it interesting that um, the water that the armors use is actually the living waters that they use to actually temper the metal when they're building the um, the armor, the Beskar armor for the Mandalorians. Um, makes me wonder how she's able to transport that so easily from place to place. Because, right, this is like the third move that they've done so far, right? Yeah, at least in, at least that we know. It's probably more, but that's what we know is this the third. Yeah. Which is crazy. How do they have that much living world water, right? Like how do they Yeah, exactly. But I think the bigger the bigger thing here, right, is that um the bigger thing is he gets in there, they do the whole thing, he tells her, and this is the, the precursor, right? Which I knew once he said it, I was like, fuck this shit. But he immediately says, Hey, my advice is you don't take your helmet off and you don't tell them anything about that. And she goes in there. They do the whole conversation. The armor is like, oh, uh, you haven't taken your helmet off? No, I have not. Here's my proof. Blah, 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 blah. She goes, yeah, I can, can see that it's him. And then he goes, and by the way, she hasn't either. And then, you know, they talk about bathing in the waters and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, like the armor is like, well, if you haven't taken your helmet off and you've bathed in the waters, you are now like part of our redeemed. <laughs> and like, yeah, she exactly. just sits there and like, I can see her face underneath there. That's the worst part about this whole thing. I see her face going, <laughs> like, yeah, just be befuddled. Like, fuck, I fell into this. But then at the same token, she's got the whole mythosaur thing in her back head and she doesn't know what to do. It's a whole thing for her. Yeah, exactly. And I think I, I think and that's that's the great thing about this, right? It's just the the body expressions without seeing the face. Yes. You could see her going from like, oh man, I can't believe this happened to I think I can turn this into my advantage now. Like just that subtle shift in her expression, her in the way that she's like expressing like the body language through it. That was just such a neat little little tidbit that they did at the end there like it, when they're all celebrating like this is the way you know we're gonna go back and everything and, and take care of everything i'm i'm totally excited now to to see how how where they go from here right like i want to see a full force of mandalorians now fang fighters and all to take on that imperial remnant that's there yeah so that's that's kind of like that's kind of where it ends and we're gonna stop there it's we, we've spent enough time but like like I'm excited. I'm very um I'm very happy with where it's been. I think this episode, I think three was better than two, personally. Um and I would say it rivals one. And I don't know. I really liked episode three a lot. But I like all the weird side story type things and all of that. Yeah. I will say I don't know what the hell is gonna happen Wednesday because I gotta message John now to be like, hey, have you watched the Mandalorian? Because if you haven't, I need to watch this before I go. Because by the way, I'm gonna watch this. Like it's it's gonna happen, and I'm not gonna stay up to 3 a.m. on Tuesday to you know like watch The Mandalorian and Bad Batch and like so like I have to have a whole conversation with him. I gotta figure out. I gotta figure it out because when I get there, I need to get my badge. I want to hang out with people. So like my theory was is I'm I'm gonna wait, not watch Bando or Bad Batch at all. And then I'm going to go hang out with a bunch of people and then it'll be like 11 o'clock and that's going to be like my wind down to Worlds. And then I'll go to bed at midnight, get up at 7, go play in the LCQ, get in top 16, you know, say, <laughs> hey, I'm going to wear my this is J this is for JJ shirt that I bought. Um, you know, anyway. 
Yeah, I mean, hey, you can have a, a watch party at Nick Sperry's house. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> I should message Nick, be like, hey, buddy, you know, what do you want to do? Ugh, I wish I could go out there earlier. It'd be nice to go out there on Tuesday, but I just, I have two, I have so much stuff I could, I got to do when I got kids and it's just, yeah, it's, yeah, no doubt. Too much going on. But anyway, thank you all for joining us for our University Extended Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 2 and 3. We will be back. Um, we will not be doing the Mando episode till Monday, probably. We're going to do Worlds coverage Monday for our normal X-Wing podcast, uh, Plenty Face Syndicate. And then we will be back with our University Extended um, conversation about Episode 4 of Mando. With that being said, yeah. thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week. Have a good night. And uh, if you're going to Worlds, hit us up. We'll see you. Uh, not JJ because he's a loser and doesn't want to go. But the rest <laughs> of us, you can come hang out with me and see me. Thank you. Have a good night, everyone. Good night, everybody.